Hi, how are you? You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Anyone with a new baby knows the bone-crushing reality of sleep deprivation, particularly if you're the only one getting up to them at night. Many couples divide the nighttime settling between the stay-at-home parent and the one going to work. Or they might just dig each other in the rib each time the baby cries, grunting, it's your turn, your turn. But are either of those options going to work for both parents? Sure, you need to be sharp at work, but operating day in, day out on little sleep is not sustainable for the stay-at-home parent either. Psychotherapist Ginny Lindsay is from the counselling service from two to three, and she helps couples and individuals manage their changed lifestyle once a baby comes along. Hi, Ginny. How are you? Hi. Good. Lovely to be here. This has to be something that many couples struggle with. Do you see the issue of um, settling at night coming up in your clinic? I see it regularly um, and it shows in different ways. I think one of the, the biggest ways that I see it is a misunderstanding of him not feeling understood because he's going to work and her, um, the wife or the primary carer, whoever that is, um, at home and sense of isolation and loneliness and just the huge mass that it brings and the sleep deprivation just escalates and emphasizes because none of us cope very well no, when we don't sleep. for a reason. Yeah, so it puts a massive strain um, on the relationship when you don't have the sleep. Yeah. That's and the, huge. The thing that I think gets me, and I still feel this, I go to work every day and I will see parents in the playground, like mums mm. in the playground. I was talking to this one mum, she's got a, a little one and, and two older ones, so she's got three all together. And she said something about going to work and then the pickups and stuff. And I said, it's a thousand times harder to stay home than it yeah. is to go to work. Yeah. It's relentless. It's relentless. And yeah. so I kind of feel like I understand why some people have really um, high pressure jobs. I understand and appreciate that. But I also feel there's this kind of assumption that if you're at home, mm. then you can deal with a sleep deprivation. Yeah. And I think that is an assumption because it's just not understood as to what it takes. And I think... Um, I mean, I have, I had a client that came in and she was unwell and she had a head cold and she had the baby crawling all over her, physically all over her when she just didn't feel well. And she's going, oh my God, I've got another five hours to go before my husband comes home and I've got probably six nappies to change in that time. And so she can't not and feed the baby. So it's just no matter what's going on, we have to just keep picking up the pieces where at work, if you're unwell, you can actually call in sick or do something different or get a break. But at home, that doesn't play out no. at all. Um, often if friends um, are going to a concert or they're going out to do something and they may say to you, hey, can you come and you've got a new baby, but they don't have children, then you have to say, look, it, it really doesn't work because of the timing of the sleeps for the baby and things. So I think then what also starts to happen is 
the friends and the person who's just had the child, they're not um, on the same page anymore. So they don't, the, the new mother doesn't often feel understood even by her social peer group who may. Um, so it plays out in social situations. It plays out with the, your husband that you really want to understand you, doesn't necessarily understand you to a T. And so then that's where the sense of the isolation and the loneliness can creep in. And the, the lack of sleep, it exacerbates that even more. Is that assumption that the stay-at-home parent will get up at night because the other one's off to mm. work in the morning, is that assumption, is it even practical? Is it fair? Yeah. It's a really good question because um, what most what I really hear is the couples that come and see me is that they're trying to find that balance where he does want to be involved. And I think the dance then that happens between the two is it's got to then be negotiated about what is actually realistic and practical depending on the hours of his work. And that's where the negotiation can actually come in. And I think once there has been a conversation and a negotiation worked out and a compromise, a lot of that resentment dissipates. And then if necessary... They look at what are the support structures, if he's not around, that can be brought in. So there is a fairness. There's a consideration of what is her world now look like or his world, whoever's staying at home, look like to give them the support that they need so it is practical, it is realistic and it is fair for both him to feel he can go to work and it's respected, but him to have been con- considering her world to be able to go, how can I support you and I can do this much, but realistically, let's bring in the support person. And so that's coming from a loving pace to say, I can only do this, but it doesn't mean the gap doesn't can't be filled. Yeah, because I, just relating back to my life with the first child, I did everything. I just assumed that that was what needed to happen. So I got up through the night. I'll never forget the first night him getting up with me Mm. and both of us being awake and me going, this makes absolutely no sense. Mm. Like I have to be up feeding, so you may as well sleep. And then it went on from that. So I just Mm. kept doing it. By the time we had our second child, uh, I got to the point where – I wasn't needing to breastfeed all the time through the night. And then I just said, no, mate, that's your turn. It's yeah. your turn. And I I think I was quite <clears throat> brutal about it. Mm. I mean, I think with his work, he could manage it. Um, and he just took it on board. Yeah. So do you think there's an element of that sort of societal expectation of women yes. that you're just going to walk into it, take yes. it all on and just run with it. Yeah. And so we do it without thought when mm. in reality, um, even if someone, uh, someone made this suggestion just recently that, you know, the working parent could get to go to the baby up till midnight yeah, and then from midnight onwards they can sleep yes. and the stay-at-home parent can yeah. know if they go to bed at nine, they'll get a yeah. decent amount before they get up to the baby. Exactly. So those are sorts of things you can work out, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and, and, and I think that's the thing that there's the, again, it, it comes back to communication with her having to be assertive because what happens is he, I mean, I've had a client that comes in and he does do the nappies, he does do the um, the bath at night, he helps out. But for her, she's so tired, it's still just not enough. 
And so I think um, that's the realistic expectation as far as like he is not a mind reader to be able to understand that we're struggling or the person is struggling. So the assertive communication will come in where you might say, look, I'm really grateful for you doing this, this and this, but I'm really, really struggling and my emotional cup is really empty. So um, some couples will even have just say my emotional cup is about a a two out of (laughs) ten. And that's a warning for him to be able to say, okay, she needs some support here. Can I come home a little bit earlier? And then they can have a conversation or does she need to get out? Um, And so because... Both couples need individual time, but they also, and and for a new mum, that's really hard to get out. So it is having those honest conversations about how can we um, help each other. And as you say, it's a lot of couples will do that where um, he will do up to the 11 o'clock feed. Um, Some will do the midnight, but really depends on the load of the man's work because he's also then providing for the family. So we can't forget he needs to be fresh that way. Um, And this is the dance that's so hard because the woman is so, she's on (laughs) 24-7 and and even when you're at the park, you're still watching them all the time. When they're asleep, you're listening, you know, you're always on where he can go to the machine and have that coffee. So it is the sensitivity of being able to have good, honest communication between the two of you and say, what's working? What's not working? What support have we got around us we can draw on? And and how can we set up a structure Um when it comes to the feeding, the cleaning of the house, um, when I come home, I'm able to be home by six. So what what's happening around then? She can inform him. And then that could be a time for her to be able to step away and either go for a walk or go to the gym or just get out and have some fresh air or sit down and have a cup of tea. Doesn't even have to go out. Just switch off and him step in. Yeah. But it's all negotiating. It's really about negotiation rather than what tends to happen is women are not very good at asking for help. And then we come out as passive aggressive or aggressive because the Coke bottle lid just goes. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) and then he cops it. But if we can do it a little bit more constructively before it gets to that point. In in light of that, Obviously, there's quite a few people. My husband and I never had those conversations. Our first year yeah. of our first baby's life was just spent bickering. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised we're still together in many ways. Um, but we got through it. Um, so there will be, of course, couples who haven't had the conversation. Mm. They've got new babies. Mm. Find time to have the conversation mm. about the negotiation of that. But is this a this is sounds like it's something that is better discussed before the baby comes well ideally i mean i have a lot of couples that come in when they're pregnant to do exactly that because they know his work hours and they have an and he can then negotiate potentially at work to be able on a couple of days if possible to come leave a little bit earlier um they can work out what is the support structure um because uh, I have some clients and they're, you know, from overseas, so they don't have anyone here. Um, but there are a lot of, I mean, for a, at the moment, you've got a lot of year 12 students 
that have just finished the HSC having a gap year looking for work that would love a couple of hours every afternoon to come in oh, and such help a good out. Idea. You know, so you don't have to fold pay. Fold the washing. Yeah, fold the washing. Do the washing. Do some cooking. Just so you can have time with the baby um, or when the baby's – or, yeah, you'd probably do the bathing, but whatever it is you choose. So actually the earlier the better mm. in the discussions, but it is – I call it a blending process. It's really – Two people coming together with two thought processes from and life experiences and modelling about how they uh, were brought up with their beliefs and expectations and what they feel the role should be. And that switch is not switched until the baby comes. And that's when a lot of people, they miss each other because their expectations and beliefs and what they feel the role should be therefore be for the partner or themselves um, is not discussed. So if you do it while you, when you're pregnant, a lot of that can be ironed out. And so when the baby comes, you can actually be present to enjoy that amazing time. And he can then be far more in tune also about, okay, we've got that done, but now we're still struggling. It's not the double load. <laughs> and it just seems so practical. Like I was thinking about this the other day. So many of us don't get married in a church anymore. Mm. And I know that the whoever that was marrying you in a church would often sit down with a couple before they got married and talk to them about things like what are your what are your belief mm. systems when it comes to children. It's a, a, we never would have had that conversation yeah. because we didn't get married in a church. Yes. And I remember actually thinking, shame on me. What a silly thing. Why would you talk about that? Yeah. And then you have children and you think, why didn't we? Yes. <laughs> because it's actually, you've got the husband, you've got the wife, and then you've got each of them come with family of origin, beliefs, expectation, role modeling, life experiences. So when you put them two together, I call it the soup in the middle or the system. And that has to all be negotiated because often if it's not the baby then comes along and because the friction then comes, the focus all then goes straight onto the baby as the scapegoat because, but also we were so excited. But then nothing actually is dealt with constructively between the couple. And that's when I see them starting to go into um, distancing and the resentments there and then the love and the intimacy starts to get lost. So it is having all those conversations. But it's also the other part of it is there's so many little things that you can do often to keep the relationship healthy and spiced up um, through this time. But it's instead of going into, oh, it's not working, it's actually changing the thought process to go, how can I do this differently? What are the little things that I can do? And there's many little things that you can do. It's sending little text messages throughout the day, thinking of you, hope that meeting goes really well. It's um, And him doing it to her, you know, when she's at home. How are you travelling? How is your lunch? How is mother's group? It's showing an interest. Yes. Goodness, <laughs> I'm going to go and send a text to my husband right now. <laughs> Hashtag bad wife. Um <laughs> Jenny. I don't think you could be a fat <laughs> Daniel, do not call in. Um, thank you so much. That was so interesting. And yes, a few notes for myself there from that mm. one. <laughs> and I don't even have a new baby. 
Thank you, Ginny. My pleasure. Absolutely. Lovely to be here. That was psychotherapist Ginny Lindsay. She's from the counselling service from two to three. For more info on Ginny and the work she does, check in the description of this podcast. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.